Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. I know sort of we sort of started with a section on Nehemiah, and I've really enjoyed that. I've preparing for, really enjoyed preparing for it, and we're going to continue with that. I just want to put pause on that for a moment because today's Pentecost, and I think it would be a miss to not take a moment to just pause and slow down and think about the incredibly significant moment. I was speaking to our Bible school students in the week, and we were speaking about the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I realized as I was sharing with him that we're not big sort of in the modern charismatic church on, charis- on church calendar. The Reformed churches, the, the calendar is, is far more important to them, sort of the annual sort of feasts and the things that happen. And um, there are some important dates, important things for us to commemorate. For some reason, one that's sort of become front and center and the one we always commemorate in kind of the whole world, even if we don't have a clue what we're doing, is we commemorate the coming of Christ to this earth. And that is an incredible thing, to think that the Most High would come and dwell with you and with me. But perhaps a, a more important date, possibly, not possibly, definitely, the single most important event for us as Christians to commemorate and to celebrate is Resurrection Sunday, the Passover. The crucifixion and then the resurrection, that is what everything of our faith hinges on. A couple of years ago, a famous preacher said, you know, you can take everything away from Christianity except that. If you strip anything else away from Christianity, Christianity will survive. If you take the resurrection away, then we have nothing. Everything about our faith hinges on the fact that Christ rose from the grave. And a whole bunch of people were really upset with him for saying that, but I kind of agree with that. Because he went so far as to say, even if, he's not saying do this, even if God hadn't given us the Bible, our faith would still be intact because of the resurrection. Obviously, the Bible informs it, and the Bible helps us to know what our faith is. It helps us to grow. And I mean, I'm big on the Bible. I'm big on Bible school. I'm not knocking that at all. But our faith doesn't hinge on the Bible. Our faith is informed by the Bible. Our faith hinges on the fact that Christ rose from the grave. And that happened sort of in the Jewish calendar on Passover, which God had given to them as a feast when He brought the Israelites out of Egypt, out of 400 years of slavery. And they had this feast where they would take a sheep, a lamb, into their home right from the start, and the sheep would dwell with them for a couple of days, and then they would slaughter the sheep, and they would t- take the blood of the sheep, and they would paint it on the doorposts. And then when God's judgment came against the people of Egypt, if there was the blood of a lamb on the doorposts, that home would be spared the judgment. And that all was just a prophetic picture of what would happen when Christ would come as the lamb, to dwell with us, to identify with us. And we would kill Him as humans. And then His blood would be the redemption. His blood would be the blood that's on the doorposts so that destruction would not visit us. 
That was Passover. And then Christ, as I said, rose from the grave on the third day. And for 40 days, sorry. Yeah, for 40 days, he dwelt with hundreds of people who saw him alive. Hundreds of people who testified to the fact that this Jesus who had been crucified was now alive. And then he ascended into heaven on the day of ascension. And then the 50th day after Passover was Pentecost. Penta meaning 50. And that was a celebration. That was the start of the harvest, of the wheat harvest in ancient Egypt. And so what they would, Israel, what they would do is they would bring the first fruits of the wheat harvest. And this would be a massive feast. That's why on the day of Pentecost, there were thousands of people in Jerusalem because there was this big feast. Pilgrims came from all over to celebrate Pentecost. And so they all here, and there's this incredible time. Christ has just been crucified, and about 120 people, that's all that was left of Christ's ministry. And sometimes we think that somebody who's just reaching a few people is being insignificant. Jesus, when He left, He ministered to thousands. There were 120 who had seriously taken His word and went and waited in an upper room. And 120 of them are waiting in this upper room, and they're waiting on the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 14, Acts chapter 1 rather, verse 4. Jesus, once when he was eating with him, with them, his disciples, this is after he had risen from the grave, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus had been alluding to this throughout His ministry a couple of times. Right at the start, you may remember, John the Baptist said, I baptize with water, but there's one coming after me, and He will baptize you. You will be filled with the Holy Spirit when this other one comes. There's one whose sandal strap, I'm not not worthy of tying his shoelaces, and when He comes, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is incredible province promise which God right here gives. In Acts chapter 2, just the next chapter, it's on the day of Pentecost. All of the believers, they were meeting together in one place. And the scary thing is, it was just over a hundred of them, and this is all of the believers, the Bible calls them. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting, and then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared And settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And they went out, and people from all over were hearing these people speak in this language. It was just a crazy, crazy time. But if we think of what did the Holy Spirit mean? Why did the Holy Spirit come? I want us just for a moment just to. Be encouraged by the reality that the Holy Spirit dwells with us. Too often in sort of our wing of the church, or the charismatic type of church, we're very much into the gifts and the Holy Spirit has come to make us do all of these things, to enable us to do all of these things, and that is also true. But there is something so much more profound which the Holy Spirit has come to do. 
And it's tied into this initial promise. Speaking to the, the first years, we did a whole module on, on just this bit in, in Bible school during the week. Everyone in the Holy just a quick catch up because it's important for where we're going here. Everyone in the, Holy, in the Old Testament who received the Holy Spirit was sort of handpicked, was chosen. The Holy Spirit would come upon some of the prophets. Somebody like David had been filled with the Holy Spirit, and the prophets would be filled with the Holy Spirit, some of them from birth. Moses was filled with the Spirit at one stage. A whole bunch of the other Israelites, the Israelite elders, get filled with the Spirit. And they, like Moses, start prophesying. And then the Spirit departs from them, from that group of elders. We know Samson was filled with the Spirit. and He did all of these crazy things. And one of the saddest bits in all of Scripture is where Scripture says that Samson did not know that the Holy Spirit had departed from him. He just didn't know that he had offended the Holy Spirit so much that the Holy Spirit had left him. But in the Old Testament, there were certain individuals who got filled with the Holy Spirit, certain chosen people, certain ones who, in a sense, God had smiled upon. And then Joel comes, and the prophet Joel gives us this incredible promise, this prophecy. He says it'll come to pass in those days, in the last days, that God will pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. And he says, sons and daughters. It's not gender-specific. He says old and young. It's not age-specific. He says even the servants. It's not socio-class-connected. There's going to be a time when the Spirit is going to be poured upon everybody. And the Holy Spirit, as beautiful, as amazing as He is, and in the way that He comes and He enables us to do signs and wonders, and he, the Holy Spirit works in us, and I've seen God do some incredible signs and wonders before my eyes. Just reminded of a, town, a time when we were in Zambia, in the Copper Belt, small town there, and we were doing some training with pastors, and we had some ministry, and... Um, See us, who's the pastor in Stellenbosch, he was there. It was just two or three of us, and he was sharing the evening, the first the opening evening, and sort of, I felt we must just pray for the sick, and we, that evening after we'd done sharing, we prayed for the sick, and I felt there was somebody there who had, was hard of hearing, and we prayed for, I can't remember how many people who were, as we do. And the next morning, we thought, let, thought, let's just start by asking if there's somebody who we prayed for last night who has a story. And this one woman came forward, and she said that from birth, she's been deaf, and if I remember correctly, it was her left ear. And the area where we were staying, there were a whole bunch of dogs, and she says often the dogs start barking in the middle of the night, and they wake her up. And so what she just does is she turns on her side with her good ear at the bottom, and she sleeps fine. And kind of, the dogs don't wake her up anymore. And then she gets a smile on her face, and she says, last night, I couldn't sleep. The dogs kept waking me up. It doesn't matter how I put the pillow on my ear. Both ears could hear the dogs waking me up. And I've seen countless stories like that, how God comes and He heals and He restores. And sometimes He does the most powerful of miracles in ways that we cannot imagine right on the inside of hearts and lives. And sometimes He does them out, outwardly on our bodies. And every one of them are powerful, powerful miracles. 
But you know what He also comes to do? In Acts chapter 10, we see an example here. As Peter's saying these things, he's busy preaching, he's talking about the, the Gentiles, the non-Jews who are coming to faith. The Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the non-Jews, on the Gentiles too. How did they know they'd received the Holy Spirit? Because these Jews heard them, the Gentiles, speaking in other tongues and praising God. And Peter asked, can anyone object to them being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for, for several days. And what we see here is a powerful example of the promise that was fulfilled at Pentecost. You see, what happened here is the Holy Spirit suddenly comes and says, everybody is worthy. Before this, there were certain people, certain kind of elect people, special people who God seemed to have smiled upon. There were people who God wanted to use in a particular way or who had accomplished something, and they would be filled with the Spirit. And then Joel says there's a day is going to come when that's not going to matter anymore. There's going to come a day when God is going to look at all of mankind and say, by the blood of Jesus, every one of you is worthy of my spirit. The Jews here are concerned, you know, are these people worthy to serve the God we serve? Isn't that a crazy question to ask? You know, are they good enough? Do they, are they qualified, their heritage, their family line? the place they come from, the language they speak, the place they grew. Uh, we don't know if they're quite good enough for our God. And then God comes and He does something so special. He pours His Spirit upon them. And Peter identifies and he says, if God accepts them, is there anybody here who's not going to accept them? If God accepts them by coming to dwell with them, if God accepts them by saying that they are worthy to be temples of the Holy Spirit, then is there anybody who's going to argue with that? Let's put this on silent. And so one of the most powerful things that the Holy Spirit comes and does before He raises the dead and He heals our brokenness is He comes and He establishes on the inside, that we are worthy. That you are worthy. You are worthy to have the God of heaven dwell with you. He comes and He, he does a miracle of our identity, of our self-worth. Watch how Paul explains this in the book of Ephesians. He says, and now you Gentiles, you former unbelievers, you Jewish people, non-Jewish people didn't grow up with all of the right rules and stuff. You have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom He promised long ago. He identified you as His own. The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised and that He has purchased us to be His own people. 
He did this so we would praise and glorify Him. We're going to get to verse 14 in a moment, but I just want us to dwell on this idea in verse 13 here for a moment, that God has marked you, if you're a believer, by His Holy Spirit. That the outpouring of the Spirit was not just for signs and wonders. The outpouring of the Spirit was this incredible affirmation from the living God that you are now worthy. That you have been made worthy by Jesus. As we deal, and obviously many of us have had these conversations, but as I deal with a lot of people, and many of you deal with people, you know how often we speak to people who don't feel worthy? I'm not even talking about in a spiritual context. People who, when they get behind the arrogance and you get behind sort of the haughtiness and the loudness outside and you get them in their place of vulnerability that they don't feel worthy. They don't feel good enough. They don't feel good enough to find a spouse or good enough to have children or good enough to have a job or good enough to do something or good enough to mean something to somebody. There's this massive void on so many. I'm just not good enough for this life. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And we often cover that up by expressing outwardly how great I am, but it's because on the inside I don't feel good enough. And then the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts and in our lives, and He says, you are good enough for God. You are good enough for God. And I love how Peter takes that. He says, if these people are good enough for God, and that's what the whole baptism story is all about, then surely they're good enough for us. And tonight, I believe the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost wants to say to you, you are good enough. You, are, you cannot do anything more to earn God's love, His favor, His grace. I'm not saying we can't be obedient. I'm not saying we can't hear His voice. I'm not saying we can't do that which pleases Him. But it's for all of those of us who are parents will understand this. Your kids are already good enough. Even if they never win Wimbledon, they are good enough. Even if they just sort of do okay at school, they're good enough. They might not be good enough to get into medical school. They might not be good enough to become the CEO, but they're good enough for that place in your heart which they deserve. They're good enough to be yours. And God looks at you, and He looks at me, and He says, you are good enough. And do you know how I'll show you you're good enough? I will give you my spirit to come and dwell with you. I'm often a little bit amused, and the last while it's sort of cooked up a lot again. You know, we hear a lot about the mark of the beast. Don't get the vaccine because they're going to inject you with the mark of the beast. The Bill Gates is going to control your brain. All of the stuff that floats around. You know, every time I hear Christians get up and get all upset about the mark of the beast, I'm just, but didn't you read Ephesians and didn't you read the other parts of Revelation where Jesus clearly says, you've already been marked by Him? And I don't know kind of how your marking works, but if I put my name really big on something, it's very hard for my brother to come and put his name on it and make as if it's his. Because my name's already on it. That's why I put my name on it. So if my brother thinks that he can put his name on it, I can go up to him and say, no, my name's already on this. You can't take it. 
And so God comes and He says here, and the other translation actually says, you have been sealed by God. He has identified you as His own. He has sealed you as His own by giving you His Holy Spirit. So as believers, yes, we need to be aware of the end times, and we need to be aware of the things and all of those things, but you don't have to fear it because if you've been marked by God, you cannot get the mark of the beast. You've been marked by Him already. The devil can't come and rub out God's mark and put his mark over God's mark, unless perhaps you invite him, but that's a totally different conversation. You don't have to be afraid, am I accidentally going to get something that's actually the mark of the beast is not going to condemn me to hell? No, not going to happen. Nothing in Scripture alludes anything like that. A second bit here, verse 14, the Spirit is God's guarantee. The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised and that He has purchased us to be His own people. He did this so we praise and glorify Him. The Spirit is God's guarantee. The guarantee there is sort of the Greek word arabon. In modern Greek, the word arabon is used for not quite the wedding ring, but an engagement ring. It's a deposit. It's the down payment. It's the first installment. I did a funeral in, in the week, and you know, I was just reminded of the fact that as much as we hold on to Christ in this life, and we should, we don't hold on to Him for this life. We hold on to Him for eternity. Paul actually writes, he says, if our hope in Christ is in this life only, we are of all men the most pitiful. But our hope in Christ is not in this life. It's also in this life. Our hope in Christ is what Paul says here. God has given us His Spirit as a guarantee, as an arabon, as a down payment of that which is to come. What is to come? What is to come is eternity dwelling with God, where there are going to be no more tears and hurt and pain and death and brokenness. And I was reminded as I did the wedding, I just struck by this. You know, one of the most beautiful things of heaven, I believe, is that we will never again be away from the people we love. Isn't that what death comes to do? Death of a loved one is we find ourselves separated from somebody we love. And you know, in heaven there will be no more death. Everyone we love in heaven we will be with for eternity. Hit the people you hate in heaven too. So probably need to deal with that. We need to... Embrace that, that the Holy Spirit comes as a guarantee, as a down payment, as a deposit. I see a whole bunch of married couples here. And every married woman, you know that day, you probably remember that day clear as crystal, the day that he proposed to you. I remember the day I proposed to my wife and I put the ring on her finger. And you know there's this beautiful time that follows where we're not married then yet. But what is that ring? That ring is the promise of that which is to come. And then there's the period, sort of the engagement period, the, the time where we're waiting for the wedding. And that's exactly where we are now as humans. Aren't we waiting for Christ to come and fetch His bride? And He has given us the Holy Spirit as our wedding ring, as that promise, as that seal to say, it is coming. 
eternity with me. And we have the Holy Spirit as a guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised, that He has purchased us to be His own special people. The other thing about borrowing a building is we have to be quick because they've got a service just now and we need to pack up before they come. And then once we understand that God has come to dwell with us, to say to you and me, to demonstrate that you and I are worthy, that He has come as a, a guarantee, as He has come to, as a deposit to say that there is eternity with God. We are not yet living with Him. Yes, He is dwelling within us, but we are not yet in the home that He has gone to prepare for us. And yet we've got the Spirit to remind us of that all the time. And when that finds root in us, when we begin to understand that, then Acts chapter 1 verse 8 becomes true. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you know, even me, for, for too long when I read that, I, I think of the power as this divine enablement, these gifts of the Spirit that's going to enable us, and it is that. Yes, the power is the ability to proclaim God's wonders and as we do it to see signs following and to see that which we speak, God confirming those words with signs and wonders. I wholeheartedly believe that. Do you know what I also believe? Is that the power to be a witness comes from a change right deep on the inside here. The power to be a witness comes from that place where we know we are worthy. When we know we are accepted when we know that God has given us His Spirit as a guarantee and that really sits and kind of gets hold of our very being, then standing up to be a witness is easy. Then we're not living for this life anymore. Then I know that I am loved by one far greater than anything this world can ever hold before me and I'm going to witness to that. And that power comes from an inner conviction with the Holy Spirit works that we are His. We have been sealed by Him. We have been identified as His. We carry His name. And in a strange way, in modern church, we do as Christians. We represent Christ. We carry His name. We are worthy. And oftentimes, I believe the boldness, the power to be a witness for Christ comes from that being settled in our hearts. It comes from that moment where we know somebody needs to stand up for Jesus and for the cause of Christ here, and I'm going to do it because I am His. Yes, there's also the moment where Holy Spirit, right now, God, a miracle would be pretty amazing. An eye healed, an ear made whole, a hand fixed, a leg strengthened, a heart physically restored, Whatever it may be, I'm all for that. We pray for that and kind of we teach that and that's part of who the Holy Spirit is and part of what He brings into our lives. But I want us just for a moment to just glance away from the glamorous of the Holy Spirit and remind ourselves of the beauty that happens when He transforms our hearts for Christ. You see, Peter, for me, is the ultimate example of the transformation by the Holy Spirit. I say this often. 
at Passover, Jesus is being crucified. Jacob spoke about this last week, and the servant girl, this lowest of the low in the social class, he can't even face up to her that he's a follower of Jesus. Pentecost, 50 days later, what has Jesus come to do? Jesus has over and over affirmed, Peter, you are still mine. And then how does God affirm that? Finally, He gives Peter His Spirit. And then Peter stands up, transformed on the inside by the affirmation of God, by the acceptance of God, by the Holy Spirit, confirming that He is worthy. And Peter tells the whole city, you killed Jesus. From I don't know who this Jesus is, to getting up and telling them it was your fault. That's transformation right there. That's power to be a witness. There weren't signs and wonders. Yes, they were speaking in other languages. But the transformation that happened was an acceptance and an understanding of the worth that you are chosen by God for the Holy Spirit to come and live with. And if God has chosen you, if God has said you are worthy, if God has said you are accepted, then it would be a fool of any man to think otherwise. You are worthy. And I think when we get that, we receive power to be witnesses. We receive power to testify of Jesus, to point people to Him, to share that which is done in our hearts with others. Can we stand together this evening? I'd love for us to pray. And as we're standing, I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit would come and do what He did on Pentecost in our hearts and in our lives. Some of us, many of us here, we've already been filled with the Holy Spirit, but one of the things I love about the Holy Spirit is we can never be overfilled with the Holy Spirit. We can be continually filled. Perhaps you're here this evening and you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. Tonight, as we pray now, don't you just want to, just in a really simple way, just open your heart and say, God, that which they had on Pentecost, I want to have it too, Jesus. God, would you come and show me that you choose me to be worthy? And as you do that, I know that he will come and invade your life in the most beautiful possible way. He will transform you just like he did Peter. He will show you that you are His. He will mark you as His own. And that's something that you will grow in continually as you walk with Him and come to know Him. You'll be carrying His name. You will be sealed with a down payment, with a deposit of that which is to come. Let us pray together. Jesus, this evening, God, we just want to thank You for who You are, Lord. Jesus, that you said it is to our benefit that you go away because when you go away, you will send the Spirit. And that you did exactly that. You fulfilled your promise that, Father, you sent your Spirit just as Jesus said you would on the day of Pentecost. And that a whole group there, they were filled. And right now, Jesus, we just open our hearts and we say, Jesus, we want to have what they had on Pentecost, Lord. We want to be filled by your Spirit, Lord. We want to be surrendered 
to your Spirit. We want to be transformed by your Spirit. We want to be empowered by your Spirit. We want to be inspired by your Spirit, Lord. And so right now, God, we just say, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, would you right now even just fill us anew, Lord? God, I pray for every person here who's deemed themselves to be unworthy, Lord, unworthy of you and of your presence, Lord, unworthy of their family, God, unworthy of a family, unworthy of a husband or unworthy of a wife, unworthy of children, unworthy of a career, unworthy of friends, that Holy Spirit, right now, you reveal to them that they are worthy because you deem it to be so. That Jesus, you have made them worthy and that you give us and them your spirit to testify that you see them as worthy, Lord. You deem them to be worthy. Pray, Holy Spirit, right now, would you come and work that incredible miracle in every heart? Work that miracle, Jesus. Change and transform our hearts, Lord. Let us know that we are worthy, that we have been sealed by you, Jesus. We've been touched by you. And Jesus, thank you that you've given us that Arabon given us the guarantee of your spirit, Lord, that you will give us the inheritance you promised us, Lord. And right now, we just see a glimpse of it, but you give us the inheritance of the promise of an inheritance with you. We choose to believe that what you have promised, you will give, Lord. And thank you that you have given your spirit as a guarantee, that we may dwell with you, that we may grow in the knowledge of you. We may be drawn closer to you. In Jesus' name, Lord. In Jesus' name. While our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed tonight, if you need someone to pray with you, you need to be filled with the Spirit, just want someone to lay hands on you, just take a moment and just minister to you in that way. Then as the others leave in a moment, I want to invite you to step forward and we want to pray with you. Perhaps you're here and you've never received the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can't relate to these things I'm sharing today about the Spirit coming and just transforming on the inside. It would be such a privilege to pray with you. I want to ask you, please, don't step out these doors. Don't leave without having somebody pray with you. In just a moment, we're going to dismiss, and a whole bunch of people are going to leave, but if that's you, step forward. We want to pray with you. We want to trust that God is going to work the most powerful miracle on the inside, that miracle of transformation, that you would know you are worthy. Thank you so much for your time, guys. It's really been amazing having you here. I've enjoyed just thinking and praying about the Holy Spirit, preparing about the Spirit. I, I trust that you've been encouraged by the Spirit. 
And in this week as we go, let's pursue the Spirit. Let's seek the Spirit. Let's honor the Spirit and His work in our lives. If you need healing physically and you need God to touch your body, come forward. We want to pray with you as well. I believe He still does that. The Spirit still works in that way in our lives. We would love to pray with you for the healing that you need. God bless you. Have a phenomenal week. And we'll be back here. We will be back here at half past three again next Sunday. Awesome. Bless you all. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria.org.